right, how's it going tonight, everybody? Here at Run the Real, we are solving the mysteries featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And we're about to have a jalo good time. Oh, hey. no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yes. With uh, <laughs> the movie that started it all, right? Supposedly. Supposedly, yeah. Or at least made it popular. I don't think it started it, but it did make it. It made Dario Argento synonymous with it. Yes, we are talking about The Bird with the Crystal Plumage from 1970. This was written and directed by none other than Dario Argento. Oh, yeah, the man himself. You know, I don't know why I love this man so much. I only have seen two, maybe three, we'll talk about it, films that <laughs> I like by him, and the rest I have not been big fans of at all, so... But every time I hear he directed something, I'm like, ooh, that sounds cool. I bet it's awesome. You know, the two I've seen, I've liked a lot. Loved, even. I don't know. Yeah, I guess those just hold a lot of weight. The classics. We'll see if this one makes the cut. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> All right, so this one on IMDb has a 7.2 out of 10. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 93% tomato meter and an 80% audience score. Hmm, that's pretty good. And I guess just the synopsis of this one, this movie showcases Dario Argento's love for hand shots. Again, every movie I'm in, there's a point of view shot of just hands doing things and they're always wearing gloves. Black leather. Is that like his trademark black leather gloves and hands? Yes, he loves to do this. Just like one of the only other movies I've seen by him, some dude who has uh, no logical reason to be there is <laughs> there in the story after he witnesses like somebody trying to kill this lady in a art gallery. Yeah, he gets sucked in to the mystery. And the cops somehow just give him all this classified <laughs> info, taking him everywhere. He inserts himself in there, people trying to kill him. He's not even from Italy. He's an American. And he was going to leave the next yeah, day. Until they stole his passport. <laughs> he already had tickets. Yeah, and they were like, we'll take that. We'll keep it for you. But anyways, yeah, they're trying to figure out who was trying to murder this lady in the art gallery. There's been like a mass spree. I guess I don't know if mass is the right word, but there's been like three other people who have been killed before this. And they think it's connected to them in some way, shape, or form, so... Precisely because they're not connected to each other at all. The ultimate connection, the lack of connection, is the connector. <laughs> so I guess, what do you guys think about this one? I know you're all Dario Argento people and lovers. I think you had a good point there early on, Mad Mike. This movie uh, shares a lot with Deep Red. Or I guess maybe Deep Red shares a lot with this movie. I can't help but feel like it's like a couple of Metallica albums. <laughs> what, like Load and Reload? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is very similar, actually. Yeah, I noticed that too. It's like, yeah, a fish out of water guy who's not a detective becomes a detective. There's a guy with leather gloves going around murdering people. <laughs> I mean, I guess there's a lot of murder mysteries like that, though, to be fair, I think. Well, and like the way the villain... The way we find out about the villain and the, the subtle hints they drop also kind of struck me as very similar. Yeah, with like kind of the twist kind of thing at the end. Yeah, like we showed you this super obscure scene at the very beginning of the film. <laughs> See, we told you. <laughs> yeah, I was reading the IMDb trivia and I think this is kind of bogus, but they said 
An Argento trademark character recalls something from memory. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> I was like, wow, IMDb trivia. I mean, it's true though, right? Like, think about the three. I know the three that I have seen: Suspiria, Deep Red, and this one. It's all hinging around like a memory of the beginning of the film. It's true, but that's also a very terrible IMDb fact. <laughs> it needs more explanation. Like he solves the mystery by recalling something he saw in the first five minutes. You know? Yeah, yeah. Director trademark instead of hmm, recall something from memory. <laughs> I avoid these IMDb trivia points nowadays just because, like, I see so much dumb stuff. Like, did you know that the color of outer space starts with a forest scene, and so does Mandy? And it's like, huh? Okay, I guess that's helpful. I don't know what that has to do with each other. They're both were produced by the same company, you know. Nick Cage is in it, I guess. Or like, did you know that the pet cemetery sign, the S is or a cemetery spelled wrong because it's written by children? It's like, oh, really? Cool, IMDb. Thanks for clearing that up. Yeah. <laughs> Great trivia. Thanks, guys. Uh, but yeah, this this movie does feel like a prototype a little bit. Well, maybe not even a prototype, but kind of just, yeah, like this director has, um, I guess, a, a framework that he just likes to work in and he doesn't really like to stray out of it. Where did this land in his like career? Is this at the beginning, middle? This is his first. This is his very first movie? Yep, yep. Deep Red came out like maybe like four or five films after this. And then when did Suspiria hit? Because that's his biggest one. So Suspiria came out right after Deep Red, so it's like six-ish films after Five or six. So he does have a lot of stuff out there. Yeah, he's got even more after Suspiria, too. I think this was his golden age. From this to Suspiria is where he really had his groove, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Tenebra, a lot of people like, and that's an 82. That's true. I haven't seen that one yet. It's on the list, though. I think I, the vibe I get from him is that he's not really a story guy, necessarily. I think he's more of a just like a vibe. He likes to get a certain vibe from his movies. I think he like thinks of cool scenes and then kind of works his way around it, maybe. I don't know. Because, I mean, yeah, this movie is like just pretty much deep red. <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember when we first watched Suspiria TV, you mentioned that the, uh, the story of this guy's rise and fall is pretty interesting and studied to some degree, even. To see like why he was so famous and then like how he like totally lost all credibility and fame. I don't remember that. But feel free to tell if you remember. <laughs> well, I, I just mean like, because, you know, he started out, he, he started so strong. Like, it wasn't like he like had a couple of, you know, so, so like crappy films to make him famous. Like they played this movie for years in Milan, apparently, because it was so popular. But then as he kept going, like the films got crappier and crappier, supposedly. But I haven't seen any of the later stuff. I've only seen this golden era. I think it might have something to do with, well, because here's the thing with me with this director is that I think his visuals are probably his strongest strength. Wow, that's a great way to phrase that. But um, I don't know. And story is kind of an afterthought to him. And so like, well, after Suspiria, I think he changed like kind of like either like the way he was filming things, like maybe the technology shifted, but like it loses all that color. It just doesn't look as nearly as good as say like Suspiria or Deep Red anymore. Or even this film, I think this film looks really good. But like once he loses like his visual style, then he really doesn't have like legs to stand on, at least not as easily. It's harder for him to, to find a framework, for me at least. I don't know. That's just my theory. Oh, fair enough. I mean, it seems like he's uh, pretty attached to this one framework. Yeah, for sure. But 
you could argue if Suspiria is a Jalo film or not. Yeah, I, he can't help but throw it in there. Though, like when uh, th- like there's like I think there's a mask glove killer in that movie, and it's like about witches. <laughs> like <laughs> it's the the hand with like the meat hook, right? That chases the gal in the attic. <laughs> you can't help it. Like, and it's great scenes. Like it looks really good, but yeah, it's just kind of funny. Like even when he does like stray away from it, he's just like, "Yeah, we'll just throw some in there." You know why not? It is a pretty good looking movie. I really like the contrast at the start with the killer showing all his tools and it's all black, but he's got all the red bag and all that stuff. Makes a nice contrast. The white art exhibit with all the red blood in it looks really nice. The way the shots are and his color usage is like, you can just see from this movie how good he is with the visual effects and composition of stuff. And it's his trademark for sure, I'd say. Because especially like when the the one chick gets killed and she goes into that like apartment complex and it's got the triangle staircase or whatever that it's looking down from at her. That reminded me so much of Suspirio when he did that. I was like, this is cool seeing how even from his first movie, he's coming up with these really creative uses of color and shot compositions and neat looking buildings and stuff. Yeah, that stairwell shot's amazing. That was so awesome. Like, yeah, just looking down and just seeing the triangles after triangle after triangle. Oh, man, that whole sequence was really good. I liked that a lot. He's good at filming people getting stalked and then killed. (laughs) He (laughs) He really is. I think that's his favorite thing to film. (laughs) It's kind of cool to know straight from the beginning that, yeah, this guy knew what he wanted. It feels like he's got a lot of, I guess, confidence in how he wants his movies to look. At least from these early movies, he's he pulls it off really well. Yeah, I really like the the scene and the visuals when the guy gets trapped in that glass area in the art gallery. That that's just cool imagery and shots, I think, and it really brings uh, some tension to the scene as well. That he's just kind of trapped in there and he can't do anything but watch as this lady's like bleeding and crawling towards him and moaning very loudly <laughs> it, it was a lot of moaning and crawling and man it was blood and after you find out what really happens at the end i was kind of like man this is real goofy <laughs> i mean she did get stabbed yeah she so she does have an excuse to be kind of screaming there is that scene though where she just like face plants on the floor really dramatically and you're like oh oh she's dead <laughs> But no, no, no. She then she starts crawling and moaning again. And I mean, it's not comical. the The music behind it has you know good tension building, and the guy who's trapped in there, he's got good acting. But I don't know <laughs> her thing about just the moaning and crawling. I think it was a little much. I kind of feel like all the actresses in this movie were really, really dramatic, excessively so. Like when the main girl, her house is, her apartment's getting broke into. And she's just like laying on the floor, like crawling around. <laughs> like maybe if you like actively tried to prevent the guy from getting in, like <laughs> this would be going a lot better. Yeah. I mean, it's like not like it's entirely hopeless. He's really having a hard time getting in there. It was such a long scene. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing Argento does a lot is have the overacting in his films. I'm not surprised it's in here, too. (laughs) 
especially since it's his first one. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, for his first movie, and, you know, this is kind of a slasher stalker movie, and this was way better than what the U.S. was doing with this stuff back then, you know, because you got junk like Friday the 13th, which is literal just cash grab movie, and it's so bad, and then they kept making them. Yeah, and that came out like 10 years later, even more than 10 years. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, they. I wonder how much those uh, films in the U.S. got inspired by this movement going on in Italian film. Well, I watched a video on Jalo stuff after watching this, and like, I can't remember which one. He showed how Friday the 13th, um, one of them, pays tribute to the Jalo films by taking like a couple of the kills and just straight ripping them out of one of those movies. I can't remember. They're definitely were inspired by the Jalo films, which if you if you don't know what that is, listener, it's um a genre of Italian slasher films essentially is what it is. Though I would argue that at least starting out with the Italian slasher films had a lot more substance to them than what America put out when they were first getting started. Well, in uh, the U.S., we had John Carpenter who did Halloween, and that's like the big stalker movie from that time period, I would say, that really kicked off a bunch of stuff moving forward in the U.S. with the stalker slasher stuff. But then it really turned into more of a, straight up like sex thing you have sex you die we're out there showing skinny dipping and then jason shows up and kills him you know the jalo films did that too yeah but i would agree there's more substance to them because a lot of the movies like that in the u.s they're literally just there for a cash grab you know yeah you're just like waiting for them to die instead of like in this movie you're trying to figure something out like there's an actual kind of like a plot a thread line you know this guy's trying to figure out who's doing this which some slasher films do do that i think like prom night i think of it's like who's the killer in prom night but not nearly as good as this they're more stylish too than what america usually comes up with which is nice for a change of pace like i love halloween but i wouldn't call it a stylish film by any means like, this film has more style to it than Halloween does. I mean, Halloween has some Carpenter trademarks, but it's not like... You You, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, Carpenter's a more simplistic director anyways. Yeah, he doesn't... He's not a showy, I would say. Like, the start of Halloween, I'd say it's very similar to the hand stuff in this movie. It's the point of view. You know, he's going around and he's killing them with a knife, you know, and you get to see it through Michael's eyes. But that was, like, it pretty much in that one. I mean, they, maybe there's a couple other scenes I'm forgetting about. So I wonder how much Carpenter had seen of that before he did that. Just kind of curious, you know, just talking out loud. But I do have, like, story time. The reason I'm bringing up this U.S. slashers versus this is, so I'm working from home, and I like to have some background noise while I'm working. You know, just like a show on in the background. So I turn on Amazon Prime, and in this recommended for the Prime stuff, for free, it's got this movie called The Final Terror. And that, that movie came out in 1983, and I'll just read you the IMDb synopsis of it. A group of rangers go camping on unfamiliar forest grounds 
All is well until the group members start getting picked off by a cunning, tactical, malevolent killer in the woods. The movie's crap. <laughs> chunk. Oh, what's it called? The Final Terror? The Final Terror. What a weird name for that. I thought it would be cool because it had a name like that, but yeah. no, it's not. But I mean, it's it's like that same thing. And then a couple hours later, I watched The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. I was like, oh my God, this movie is like 500 times better than what <laughs> I just watched in the background, you know? It was just real interesting, I think, to see. Like, this movie came out 13 years before the final terror, and there's some actual filmmaking, some craftsmanship that went into it. It's actually a good movie compared to, you know, like the run-of-the-mill junk we got in the U.S. for the 70s and 80s. That's not to say that all Jalo is, like, superb crafts of art, too. I mean, it... It came from those like dollar books that you buy off the shelves. The term did anyways. So, you you know, it's that kind of genre. But that doesn't mean that there's not good pieces of craftsmanship in there, too. It's just when comparing the Italian ones to the American ones, it seems like, at least to me, most of the time, the Italian ones are better to watch because... They do, like Mike said, display more actual craftsmanship and thought and effort as opposed to like your Friday the 13th or something like that, <laughs> or the final terror. <laughs> These movies made a lot of money in the U.S., you know. Well, they're not expensive to make, so then people love watching them go out there, have sex, and get killed. It is kind of a staple, I guess, of American 80s films. I mean, I I turned it on in the background, so <laughs> what does that say about me? I know Terry owns the box set of Friday the 13th Jason movies. What? You Hold know? on. <laughs> You've exposed me. Because <laughs> we watched a bunch of them. Now, those are classics. I do think it's interesting, too. The last point I wanted to bring up comparing the two is in America's versions, they really, like, glorified the killers, where you had, um, you know, Michael Myers, you go watch it for Michael Myers. Um, you go watch Friday the 13th for Jason. But they kind of, like, made idols out of the killer who's slaughtering people. And this, at least from this one, I don't want to talk about the whole genre of Giallo or whatever. Because I don't know enough, but they didn't do that in this one. I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, then you could argue about Suspiria if it I don't think Suspiria is Jalo necessarily but it does have some elements in it that are that one they definitely hype up or glorify the the killers but in a different way than like what America does but I haven't seen Deep Red but I don't think that one does it either correct me if I'm wrong I mean I think yeah America's got more like iconic just because like yeah they're they'll show you who it is where as in like this one it's all first person so it's not easy to like get latched onto them it's more about finding out who it is as opposed to knowing who it is and trying to figure out how to beat them when the kills aren't kind of glorified as well because well in deep red they're pretty slashery 
<laughs> Doesn't he like decapitate somebody with a pane of glass in deep red? I think so. And there's the the teeth on the desk scene. <sighs> okay, that's a good point. Yeah, they do get pretty creative in these two, which I do like. I think yeah, I like the kind of more the brutality of some of the kills. I think it's really cool, visually intense. You know, like oh my god, what are they doing? I do think Argento is a very visceral director. I feel like it's always kind of like a. Even though he has the cool shots and the the really good use of color, I feel like there's a rawness to his movies as well. Kind of a guerrilla film style. Yeah, he he likes the show, yeah, like the blood and the, I don't know, like the, the victims. It gets very, yeah, like, ugh. It almost gets uncomfortable a little bit in this movie even with, like, the is it the first person they kill or the second person? I can't remember. Where he, like, breaks into the... How she, like, turns away to turn off the light and then she turns back to the doorway and there he is and then he comes in and... Like that, it's so, it's very brutal, but yeah, it, it, it's a very jarring, I guess, maybe comparison. Yeah, because the rest of it gets shot so well, and then it's like, oh my God, like, we're really going into this, huh? <laughs> yeah. This, this one does, I don't think, gets as creative as some of his later stuff, which is cool. It's his first movie, you know, but I kind of do miss, yeah, some of the more crazy kills, I guess. Well, this kind of makes me think. So, I watched the dub of this one. What all of you guys watch? I watched the dub. The dub. I watched the sub. I am curious if there were any, like, differences between the two, because I felt like sometimes the dub was a little, uh, <laughs> either vague or, uh, whatever they said in response was not always super relevant. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't really notice anything, like, too, like, weird, I guess. I don't know if it was the best dub I've ever seen. I felt like the, what was it, the Suspiria one was better. Yeah, I, I thought the yeah, it was kind of weird almost watching this movie in subtitles because I am used to watching his movies in English, but I liked it. I tell you what was weird was the laughter of all the characters. It was like way overdone. Very unnatural. <laughs> yeah. Like right off the bat, the guy he's talking with about selling his book like keeps chuckling. The only like obnoxious laugher I can think of is at the end when the killer is revealed. That was also some very obnoxious, uncomfortable like chortling. <laughs> I read that that actress felt that the part was beneath her because of that scene. <laughs> <Huh>. Okay. <laughs> that a like sophisticated serial killer femme fatale turns out to just be like a chortling lunatic. Yeah. <laughs> that is fair. Yeah. I thought it was, yeah, a little much. A little too far pushed to the, yeah, crazy. I'm laughing maniacally. Ooh. I will say, I thought that we were talking about how like the story's not maybe his strong suit the like clues leading up to the twists at the end i don't think it was like very well laid out and done super well because <laughs> i feel like they just kind of bumbled around for a lot of it not that it's bad but if you think about it how did he get there exactly because he he bought that painting okay and it took him a long time to figure out that he needed to call the guy to go talk to the actual dude who painted it. He goes there and he's like, I don't do that anymore. Well, the guy tells him he was inspired by a violent act he saw. Like somehow it clicks when they're about to get nasty, I think, that uh, with his girlfriend or wife or whoever <laughs> that he's like, oh, wait, I, I don't even remember how all of this came about. It, he, they don't really get anywhere until the hitman comes after him and then he talks to that dude in jail who sets them up with a contact who can get him information. <laughs> that goofy guy. And then he goes and investigates 
and then the killer calls him and he records it and then he's playing it back for all his friends and one of them's like hang on i know what that sound is and then comes back a few days later and it's like it's this bird at the zoo which isn't even the right bird <laughs> like a bird the bird in the move like the name the siberian white feathered something something isn't even a real bird this bird was like an African gray-crowned swallow or something. <laughs> well, they couldn't just conjure a fake bird up on the spot. <laughs> I just wonder, why not use a real bird? Because this is a special bird. It has to live in isolation all by itself. There can only be one in existence in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, not to detract from where we were. I honestly thought it was like better constructed at least with the clues than deep red at the very least like well i mean neither of them are super great if you think about it right yeah like logically i could follow step by step where he was going whereas in deep red i was like huh there was a music a, a folk song that this lady wrote and she died and how is she important to the murderer <laughs> i don't understand climbs up that like haunted house yeah and... he like breaks into a haunted house for some reason I think he does better, honestly, in this. And I, at least, like, maybe it's a little far-fetched, but at least, like, yeah, I can kind of track <laughs> the timeline of how he gets there. And I mean, yeah, keeping in mind that he is not an inspector at all. <laughs> He's a writer just kind of <laughs> doing his own thing. For even, yeah, most of it, he's going out and doing stuff by himself. The inspector's not even there. Like, they, they call and talk to each other, but... Well, the key thing is, yeah, he, he remembers some... Well, he thinks he remembers something... Or he thinks he saw something that's important to the investigation, but he just can't, like, think of what it is. And so he decides the best way to do that, I guess, is to <laughs> join in the investigation himself. It is a little over the top, though. I'll agree with that. It wasn't too much for me, though. I think, yeah, just the style of it was the strong suit in this. It's not bad. I, I guess the point I'm getting across is it's kind of bumbly and weird, but it's, it didn't bug me, really. I just kind of like, you know, this doesn't make sense, but... I'm along for the ride, the the visuals, kind of. It didn't bug me, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was just curious to see what was going to happen next. I was like, okay, what? now there's a hitman? What? Okay. So what, yeah, like, what is his deal? Who hires him and who kills him? They did it to throw him off the track or something like that, I think is what they said. Yeah, I think either the husband or obviously the wife. I think it's probably the husband who hired him, I would guess. And I think the wife ended up killing him. Like That was like the biggest red herring I've ever seen in a movie. Like there's two dudes in the car and they run over a cop. And then the hitman gets out and chases him around. And then goes to like a heavyweight champion boxing convention to lose him. Well, it's funny. Yeah, that's like one of the goofier scenes. It's like, did you see the guy with the yellow coat? Where did he go? And the hotel guy's like, right over there. He opens the door and everyone is wearing yellow coats. <laughs> when the hitman was chasing him in that bright yellow coat, I was like, dude, that is the worst thing to wear <laughs> if you're a hitman. <laughs> you're just going to stand out. But then I'm well played, Argento. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's wearing it. <laughs> he had a backup, yeah. an escape route planned. I did not see that coming I, I think that is like probably the weakest link in the whole movie is this random hitman that shows up just to like yeah disappear and then be uh, pro apparently he just got killed i guess yeah it's like okay that was just kind of i guess he needed to insert some action into the movie so he just decided to throw a hitman at the main character not gonna lie i kind of wanted the uh the killer lady to squish the main dude with that spike thing she dropped on him yeah like that art piece 
How did he not get impaled by any of those spikes? <laughs> he got lucky. I thought that's where it was going too. I was like, man, why would they put all the spikes on there if it's not going to stab him? Like, come on. But yeah, then she like got on it and was like jumping on it. I was like, where's the blood? <laughs> you know? Yeah, she toys with him way too much compared to like everybody else she kills. He got sliced a couple times, but that was about it. Yeah, yeah, I guess his cheek got cut. He seemed pretty good getting on that plane at the end, so I think he was all right. That was also one of the weird parts. The editing of that was very disjointed. I was like, <laughs> kind of like, oh, I'm starting to feel woozy, like watching these cuts. I almost went back and counted how many times he cut between those two um, guys talking on the interview and <laughs> to them just getting on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> what a weird thing to cut back and forth between. It was like the plane like driving in circles on the runway. <laughs> I did miss Goblin in this movie. I kind of wish they had scored this. But... It sounded pretty similar to um, parts of Suspiria, I thought. Yeah, it has some goblin-esque moments with, like, yeah, the choir and stuff. Ooh, the chanting was pretty creepy. I was just waiting for, yeah, like, the funky bass lines to come in, but... Yeah, that's <laughs> what I wanted. I guess this, this was composed by, um... Oh, who's that guy? He's the famous Western composer. Ennio Marsoni, is that how you say it? The guy who did the thing, um... He's done all, I don't know, all the spaghetti westerns, but... Really? Yeah, he composed this. That's cool. That explains why it was good then. <laughs> yeah, I was surprising when I saw it. I, was like, I did not expect to hear that from him, but yeah, he does a good job. For sure, yeah. That is another Argento thing. He always has a lot of music that you wouldn't normally think of for his films, but it actually works out really well. I do feel like I've come to expect that kind of sound from these Argento movies. It works, though, yeah, weirdly enough, like... This movie's weird, like his other movies, maybe not quite as weird, I would say, but I think, like, he d he always does a good job, well, okay, I won't say always, but in these early films, he does a good job of, yeah, blending kind of his weird tendencies with, like, actually really cool stuff, and it all works for some reason, I don't know, it's hard to explain, I guess. I guess maybe the mood or the tone of it just kind of carries it, even when, like, yeah, maybe the plot kind of falters a little bit, or... We don't know exactly why somebody's doing what they're doing, but you're still just like, okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, it makes it unique. It, it stands out for all these things that he does well. Well, I guess we ready for overall presentation. I think I got most of my stuff out, so. I feel like we covered some ground there. Yeah, let's do it. So we got a scale that we use to rate these movies around here. Um, it goes from burn it, pass, watch it, or buy it in that order. We all kind of give a little summary of what we think, and then we try to average it out at the end. You know, guys, I uh, I went to this antique store today, um, and I found this painting, and I think it's got a clue to who's going to be presenting first. Ooh. Who could it be? Who's that? It's this weird, gr gruesome... There's, like, gruesome. somebody getting, like, mauled on there. But if I look closely at the face... <gasps> wait... Is that... It's not me. That's not Fox. Is that Dan? No, that's, that, that's not Dan. Oh, my God. It, it's, it's Mike. Oh, oh no. no. Oh, my gosh. Just when I was thinking he could escape his fate. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just hope Mike doesn't get inspired by the painting to uh, take up the blade himself. Mike, please, no. <laughs> I don't want to be the first victim. Don't make us go first. <laughs> no. Oh, my gosh. You should have had... 
some goofy bass goblin going on in the background while you were doing that. <laughs> Would have appreciated that. But um, so I'm just going to say, yeah, watch this one. I don't know why exactly I like this one as much. You know, there's a bunch of weird things that happen in there, but I don't care that it's weird and the story's kind of jumbled. I liked it. It was fun. I think watching the final terror right before this really put it in perspective for how much of a better movie this is and how much better of a filmmaker Dario Argento is. So yeah, this is kind of goofy. It's fun. I'd say watch it. You can watch it on YouTube. Some dude just uploaded it there for free, and that's where <laughs> I watched it. So Yeah, this one is uh, it's a little weird, a little goofy, but it's fun. You know, I've seen, uh, I've seen Argento referred to as the Italian Hitchcock, and I, uh, I'm just not sure if I would put him on par with Hitchcock. Yeah, that seems like a stretch. <laughs> you know, I could see some, like, very minor similarities, you know? There's always a unique feel to Argento movies. He definitely has a framework and kind of a, uh, a trademark picked out. But that said, I don't think this is the uh, my favorite of the three I've seen now. I, I would put it below Suspiria and Deep Red. But that said, I still think it's worth a watch. It is kind of neat. It's got a really cool retro style. Feels like an early slasher flick. Don't think I'd buy it, but I would definitely watch it on YouTube for free. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a compliment. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I think this movie's pretty cool. Um, it's interesting to see... His first movie, Dario Gento's first movie, um, just to see, yeah, it is like almost eerily similar to Deep Red, and I honestly, I think it might be like even like more tightly structured than Deep Red, but I think where Deep Red is better is that it, he does kind of go a little more wild with his like goofier tendencies in that one, so it has a little more character to it, I think. I think the soundtrack is pretty cool. The acting's all really good. We didn't really talk about the acting, but yeah, our main guys, I think, is really does a really, really good job. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of... I think I'm going to give it a watch it too. I think it's worth a watch for sure. Um, I would agree. Yeah, Deep Red and Suspiria are both better than this one, but I think this is a really solid movie, and yeah, it's just neat to see another Argento movie that I actually do like instead of some of the later stuff I've watched by him. I'm like, oh God, is he? Is it a fluke? Are those his only two good movies? I'm happy to report he is made other good movies besides Deep Red and Suspiria. <laughs> I enjoyed this one, too. It's a fun mystery slash slasher to watch. You can really see Dario Argento touches in this film, which is cool, because you can see how that's impacted his later movies and his best film, Suspiria which is really cool because I like Suspiria quite a bit. So it's neat taking it back and seeing the movie that got him his start. And Argento is pretty good with this first film, I'd say. There's a reason he's synonymous with the giallo genre, and this movie is pretty evident that he's got that genre down pat, even though it's his first one. It's just an enjoyable watch. The colors are great. The shots are great. It's very creative in both of those aspects with those. The musical score is creepy. It doesn't seem like it would fit, but it does, which is another director trademark from him for sure. 
the kills are brutal um, and satisfying. The characters are all over the top and goofy for the most part, which is fun to watch. Yeah, it's just, it's really good. I enjoyed watching it quite a bit. I need to watch more Argento films because I really like this one and I love Suspiria. Like, I, I'm hoping that we can do a comparison between that and the new one sometime on the show. Ooh. So I didn't talk a lot about why I like Argento's stuff in this one, but um, <laughs> it's good. I'd say it's a watch it for sure. Cool. So I guess what, that evens out to a watch it? Yeah, that was easy. Wow. There you have it. Um, the bird with the crystal plumage is a watch it. Run the reel certified. Good. I'm so glad that this is a good Dario Argento movie. I don't know why. I like his stuff. I want to like his stuff. But man, yeah, his later stuff really just ugh, put such a bad taste in my mouth. Wait, so you didn't know if this was good or not. You were just going to throw us into something that could have been bad. Man, I use this show for any excuse to watch the, <laughs> the weird stuff on my list. <laughs> Next is Phenomena. No. Terry's favorite. <laughs> No. Argento film. That's what I heard him say. Yeah, he's like, I love Phenomena, and I love Inferno. Oh, God, that's my <laughs> least favorite. I'd rather watch <laughs> Phenomena over Inferno. That was also on YouTube for free. <laughs> I debated watching it, too. <laughs> mm, do it if you dare, that's all I'll say. Might be worth it, I don't know. So people do seem to like Phenomena, so maybe I'm wrong about this one, but yeah, I don't know. So were we wanting to do Clue? Is that what we're doing next? Yeah, let's do Clue. It's the big one, so we might as well do it, right? Might as well. It's our finale for Who Done It. Who would have guessed this was where it was all going to lead to? I'm excited to watch this one again. So I remember liking it quite a bit, but it's got terrible scores. What? Really? Yeah. I've never seen it. It's a very goofy movie. Just go into this one with like kickback with the brew and... Some popcorn, have a good time with Clue. It, it's kind of fun. It's goofy, it's weird, it's zany. So I guess uh, if any of you listeners out there want to get in contact with us, you can find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Run the Real, or you can email us at runtherealpodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up. We want to hear your recommendations. Anything you want us to cover, we'll do it eventually. Probably, hopefully, someday. But... Do you like uh, Dario Argento? Do you like um, the bird with the crystal plumage? Let us know. Yeah, get in contact with us for sure. We'd really love to hear from you. Do it. All right, well, thanks for listening to us tonight, everybody. We really appreciate it. This is Run The Real, signing off. Mm-hmm.